The most important stop of the day is back. This is the Money Stop, and with Cole Cusimano, I'm Stephen Cusimano. And coming off a, a couple of weeks where we had Kansas, we had the All Star Race, and we're going into what is I think you and I can both agree, Cole. It's probably the best race weekend that there is. It's not only Indy 500 weekend, but it's also Coke 600 race weekend, Memorial Day weekend. It's personally one of my top five favorite weekends of the year. Can't wait for it. But before we get there, Cole, um, lots been going on again. Had the Kansas race, Kurt Busch with his first win of the year, locks himself into the playoffs, the big win for 23-11 racing. And we had a really lackluster all-star race. So let's get all of that out of our system first before we jump across the page. And I guess we'll start with Kansas, Kurt Busch winning his way into the playoffs. That was a really, really fun race to watch. I think that it's safe to say the mile and a half program has looked a lot better uh, with this next-gen car, uh, with the exception of Texas, I guess you could say. Don't know if you can maybe uh, take out the PJ1, do a reconfiguration, but maybe the truck in general is just shocked because Kansas was great. There were quite a few tire issues. I don't think it was to the fault of Goodyear. It was just teams kind of pushing the envelope and setting those uh, left rear tire pressures too low. But, you know, it's it's a gamble, and you got to gamble to win. And Kurt Busch, the Vegas man, walked away with the win by by gambling and having a really good car with Jumpman on the hood. And I think that was a really awesome win, a very popular win with the uh, elephant print 45 car victory lane. And um, I got to say, like, I, I know Kurt Busch has had his moments where he's been very brash and like outspoken in post-race interviews or post-rec interviews. But like, man, he, he is, in my opinion, a first battle hall of famer. I think he, he's tied with, with Fireball Roberts now on the all-time wins list. He's won with four different manufacturers, five different teams. And I feel like wherever he goes, no matter what equipment he's driving, whether it's for Furniture Row, um, Finch, or even 2311, he's elevating these teams to a different level. And um, it's really remarkable. And I think he's one of the most underrated racers of in, in NASCAR history, honestly. And um, I think that he's, he's finally getting that recognition uh, with 2311. And that, that race as a whole, Toyota looked really stout. I think you're kind of seeing a power shift now to where, you know, Hendrick dominated the first, whatever it was, 12 races of the season. And now Toyota and 2311 and JGR, they're really coming to their own. And I think, honestly, they might have the upper hand this weekend in in Charlotte, but only time will tell. It could be a very even match. As far as the all-star race goes, just, I I have no words anymore. I know it's a tradition and, it was really great at one point, but like it's just lost its luster, and I'm I'm kind of over it. I will say I enjoyed the qualifying day much more over the actual event. I think having the pit crews involved in the uh, the qualifying session was really awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, 18 team was lights out. They've been lights out the entire year, and I think that's going to be the difference maker potentially at, at Charlotte, and and I think maybe even when it comes comes down to it at Phoenix at the end of the year. So I think. Having having them highlight the pit crews was awesome and a step in the right direction, but like it's it, it can't be a Texas anymore. I think Texas just needs, like I said, a reconfiguration or something because oh man, just there you can't pass at all there. And it's just made for a really, really bad product over the last few years. So it's a shame because they put a lot of work to that track and I know like they want it to succeed, but something has to get done. And I I respect the vision, but you know, it's run its course at this point for me. Yeah, I would have to agree with you that I think it was a step in the right direction from having pit crews involved. I thought that was something I always liked 
growing up that they did the pit crew challenge and, and that that was a big part of All-Star Weekend. And I think that should stay part of it. But I, I think that everybody is pretty much unanimously on the same page that something needs to be changed in terms of the on-track product. And even if that does mean going back to Charlotte, I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. We go to Charlotte quite a bit throughout the year, especially even now at the Roval on uh, the circuit. But I don't think anyone would complain if the all-star race took place there because it, it's just quite simply the hub for NASCAR. And it's kind of an, what's supposed to be a little bit of an off week for most of the teams. And they would get to spend time at their residences and with their families and things like that. And I just think it would make for a much more, I think it would bring back some of the luster that you were talking about that has been lost from this event, but we can't go off this topic without talking first about the controversy uh, with Ryan Blaney almost coming just feet from taking the checkered flag. And again, I, I think everybody based on the way this played out was happy that he won because he deserved to win. And that caution was rightfully or wrongfully thrown at the last moment. And uh, you know, with it being, sent out a couple of seconds later that the race was not over and that communication being dealt its way towards Blaney's headset. He already had the window net down and they let him just kind of stuff it up there. And I think Denny Hamlin said it pretty well. Two wrongs don't make a right. You had, uh, you know, the wrong in that maybe NASCAR shouldn't have thrown the caution and you had the wrong in that maybe they shouldn't have let him, uh, you know, finish the race with the window net in the, the place that it was. But there's a lot of different opinions on this. Um, I, I think that overall, everybody's just relieved that he wound up continuing to win the race because if they had black flagged him or if he had lost that race, I think that, you know, and this is a big deal in and of itself, the way it already played out. But I think if he had lost that race, it would be uh, tenfold worse and it would be really bad things. But I'm curious what your thoughts were on that entire debacle. It's a bad look, especially with how the product was for the All-Star race. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nobody would have complained if it ended under caution or, um, you know, they didn't make that second attempt. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, – I didn't know this going in, but I think Dustin Long pointed it out, or Bob Pockris on Twitter, um, the rules for the All-Star race are it has to end under green flag conditions, which I'm sure the teams know. And I don't think Blaney could have done anything – seeing as the caution came out like a car length from when he crossed the finish line. So I don't blame him for that. It was just a, you know, it was a hard hit for Stenhouse. That's, that's what brought the caution. So I don't, I don't blame NASCAR for doing it, but it was just like, like they were trigger happy, hoping to maybe mm-hmm. spark a good finish or some, something, some excitement. But I think it ended up working out the way it should have with Blaney winning. And I think if he wasn't able to get the window net back up, that being that it is an exhibition event, they likely would have had him just come down pit road and then retain a spot. So all in all, I don't think the uh, results are skewed anything worse than what they should have been, but it was a mess. And I think NASCAR is definitely going to learn from that. I just think it didn't do itself or Texas any favors, uh, you know, so move on from that. And uh, I'm ready to go to the Coke 600 because I know the product hasn't been the greatest at Charlotte, not the most compelling, but the weekend itself is one of my all time favorites. It's the longest night of mm-hmm. the year for racing 600 miles under the lights honoring our fallen military veterans and and those who are still giving ultimate sacrifice so yeah i i love the coke 600 i'm ready to get going with this weekend again yeah truly one of the best weekends of the year let's put a cap around texas and kansas by looking at the top 10 from the last points race which was kansas with kurt bush winning dueled out the two kyles larson second bush third denny hamlin fourth christopher bell fifth Martin Joex Jr. sixth, so you had all four of the Joe Gibbs cars plus a 2311 car making up five of the top six. So I'm glad you brought up the 
kind of shifting of the tides in terms of Toyota looking to be the dominant cars coming out of the last points-paying race. But then you had Ross Chastain seventh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. eighth, Alex Bowman ninth, and then tenth, Bubba Wallace, who had uh, was the other, of course, 2311 racing car and placed in the top ten. So uh, definitely a changing of the tides there. And not only that, Cole, in Texas we saw the Sages be swept by Penske Ford. So definitely something to look forward to and kind of see if that plays a role in anything going forward. Well, shifting gears to this upcoming week, again, it's the best racing weekend of the year, Memorial Day weekend. We have got the Coke 600, and that means a great, great week for paint schemes. Um, My personal favorite week for paint schemes because you got a lot of the patriotic looks. So stay tuned for our nickel or dime graphics in the contest on at the underscore money stop, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow along there to see all the great looks on the track this week. We won't know the starting lineup until Saturday, 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. So definitely going to want to stay tuned for that and uh, wait and see where everyone qualifies before you take it to the bank. But we're going to do our best ahead of that here as we record this and get you up to speed with what happened here last year and who may be some names to watch going into this year's Coca-Cola 600. And last year, it was the Hendrick Motorsports Show. Kyle Larson swept all three stages in NASCAR's longest race led the most laps, 327 of them, and he swept the front row at the end of the race when it was all said and done with Chase Elliott finishing second, Kyle Busch third, William Byron fourth, Alex Bowman rounding out the top five. So all four Hendrick Chevys in the top five of last year's Coke 600, along with Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Chris Busher, Tyler Reddick, and Kevin Harvick to round out the top 10. So uh, it's interesting to see that the way we were just talking before this call about how Hendrick was the dominant team to start this year, and now we're starting to see the Toyotas, and even over this past week at Texas, the Fords get a little bit faster. So I'm interested to see if things play out this way once again, like they did last year, and we still see uh, it's the Hendrick show once again, or if we do start to see kind of a sequel of what's been going on the past few weeks in this sport. Yeah, I'm excited to see like how the product is at Charlotte because you know it's been a little bit stagnant over the past few years. And um, I think if you have that three-way battle between these titans of Penske, Gibbs, and Hendrick, it would make for a really compelling and a really awesome race. And, you know, I I think being that it is 400 laps, 600 miles, you want to have some intrigue there. Obviously, it's fun for us gearheads and and true motorsports fans to analyze the strategies and all that. But you want to reach out to the general audience and and new audiences, and uh, and that's a great way to start with all all three of those teams with those big names. excelling and competing for that crown jewel win so looking at the odds per DraftKings pre-qualifying to no surprise Kyle Larson's once again the favorite going in tied with Kyle Busch at plus 550 from there we have Chase Elliott at plus 600 Martin Truex Jr. at plus 1000 and William Byron rounding up the top five at plus 1200 so some really really enticing odds there in the case of Martin Truex Jr. who led basically every single lap in this race a few years ago and William Byron, who's been one of the best cars all season at plus 1,200. So lots of really, really nice numbers to get into early on if you want to bet on this race. And uh, why don't we dive into the uh, the analysis here? Yeah, Kyle Larson, Cole, you mentioned the favorite. Um, may have swept all three stages and led the most laps at the last Coke 600. But it's kind of – I said this a few weeks in a row, to be honest with you. It's weird that he's being still looked at as the favorite by Vegas every single week because he's had mixed results this year, and, and the speed has – You know, it's been a mixed bag all season as well. But the good thing for Larson is he didn't win his second race of the season last year until last year's Coke 600s. That's when he really started 
to dominate. Remember, he won the all-star race and then went on that dominant three-race win streak, and the rest is history from there. But while we don't necessarily expect that to happen, Kyle's going to be a contender. He's got Cliff Daniels atop the box in a race that's dominated by strategy and one of the brightest minds in all the sport in Cliff Daniels. And it's going to be a really, again, a strategy-filled race like the Coke 600 always is. And it's one of those races where it's not always the best driver that wins. It's the best team that puts together the best collective race that wins. And we've seen that time and time again. It's a race of endurance, a race of stamina in more ways than one for both the driver, the team, and the strategy. That's why it's, in my opinion, it's my favorite race of the year because it's just such a, it's an overall result of, of everything you need to do. You have to check all the boxes or else you're not going to win this race. And so coming off that last year where we saw this five team, they know how to put complete races together and they just do a phenomenal job of checking all those boxes from pit road to the mechanic side to the driver side. It's really, it's the safest pick you can have in picking Kyle Larson to win this race. Um, he's going to be a great pick, but you look at the rest of the Hendrick stable this year and might have more confidence in somebody like William Byron, who's won really, really well at these mile and a half tracks this year. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm curious to see how it works out for Kyle Larson. I think he will be a top 10, top five car for sure, just given the equipment and, and the team aspect. But like overall, take out last year where he won the race, Kyle Larson, he has a, he's been honestly pretty mediocre at Charlotte, a 17.4 average finish, only five top 10s and 12 starts. So, and, and, and the extent of his laps led basically came in last year's race. He led 40 out or he led 20 outside of last year. So I think, like I said, they're going to be a top 10 car. It's a safe bet. I don't think the safe bet's really going to win you any money this weekend. Maybe worth um, throwing some money on for a race winner bet, but I feel like for DFS, uh, maybe I have some more confidence in William Byron or Chase Elliott, or maybe even the other Kyle, Kyle Busch. He's had the upper hand in the Kyle versus Kyle battle, I believe, this season. And the difference maker, like I alluded to, has been his pit crew, which won him the qualifying challenge in the All-Star race. JGRs looked really fast as, as of the last few weeks. Kyle Busch has been red hot with five top tens in the last six starts with a win wedge in there as well. And as far as Charlotte's concerned, Bush has the most laps led at 1,450, a Coke 600 win that came in 2018, and 20 top 10s and 33 starts. So by all accounts, I think Kyle Bush should be the favorite and a lock for all DFS lineups and race winner bets going into Charlotte. Another guy called that maybe should be a lock is Chase Elliott, because I feel like when, when we go to Charlotte, he's just the guy I think of. And probably some recurring nightmares of the Coke 600 after that really tough 2020 ending where he was leading the caution came out and you know obviously whatever alan gustafson called to do if they would have called left the rest of the field was going to call right and, and that's exactly what happened so that i'm sure he's having memories and nightmares from not winning that race where he really did deserve to win it and i think it was brad kozlowski who wound up in victory lane that day but he is great at charlotte and you can bet they won't make the same mistake twice he's got a win with three runner-ups two of which have been in the coke 600 and six top tens in 10 starts in this race. And he's also got five top four finishes, including a win in his last six starts at Charlotte. So he's red hot at this track. He's always had success there, long-term and short-term. And he's, again, we've talked about this every week this year. He has been by far and away the most consistent driver this year. Just the one win to show for it this year, but consider Chase Elliott a lock for all lineups and potentially to win this race this week. But another guy that's really started to turn it up is Martin Truex Jr. And you really can't think of this race without talking about Truex because he's tied for the most active wins with Kevin Harvick at Charlotte with three. And two of those being the aforementioned big 
Coke 600 wins. In his last eight starts at Charlotte, three wins, six top threes, and eight top tens with over a 1,000 laps led. And that's the second most among active drivers. And that's a big portion of, of DFS right there is laps led. So he could be a very safe pick. To, and as well documented, Truex's inconsistency this year. But again, these Joe Gibbs racing cars have looked really, really good over the last weeks. And you can put Truex in the favorite category in the same breath as a guy like Kyle Larson. But maybe uh, some more confidence in him than the reigning champ this week because of, I guess, the recent success of this Toyota bunch. Yeah, I think you can't go wrong with picking either Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, or Martin Truex Jr., the thing with this weekend specifically for DFS is you can't really build it to where you have two heavy hitters and then some like good value picks towards the the, the end of your lineup because you mentioned it. it. It's all about endurance and stamina, and usually the experienced drivers, the ones with the better equipment and that uh, racer's intellect, uh, they're the ones that usually excel and are there at the end of this endurance race. So you got to pick between one of those four or three guys. And for me, I would say it's got to be between Kyle Busch or Chase Elliott. You know, I, I think Truex has a good shot as well. I, I, I think we, we mentioned it a little bit there. I think William Byron may have a better shot over Kyle Larson if you're picking between two from the HMS stable and two from the JGR stable. So I'm going to move over to, to uh, William Byron, actually. He's been on another level this season partially due to his budding relationship with longtime friend and crew chief Rudy Fugel. And the pair continue to surprise the racing world this year with their two wins and proven speed each week. I think they're going to be put to the test once again in the 600-mile race. They placed fourth here last year in their first attempt together, so that's a really, really good start. Byron started from the pole in 205 starts at Charlotte with laps led in all but two races. I think he's also a great value pick for race winner at plus 1200 i think it could be a william byron type race man i i really do believe they're gonna have a really strong run in this race um another guy from the opposing stable christopher bell silently continues to impress and he's knocking on the door for a win we've well documented this over the last couple of shows and while he finished top 10 in his first coke 600 start he hasn't finished above 21st since which is only two starts so not much to go off there really but regardless you can't go wrong picking any of the Toyotas this weekend. I may feel more comfortable picking him over someone like his teammate Denny Hamlin, just given the fact that Denny's going to be without crew chief Chris Gabehart this weekend, and he's also one of the uh, the brightest minds in the garage area, and this is a very strategic race. So um, I think Christopher Belson have a really good shot as well. Riding a three-race top 10 streak this season with results in the developmental series as well at Charlotte, but no wins. So I don't expect a win from him this weekend, but I think a high-end top 10 day is likely in the cars for Christopher Bell. Yeah, you mentioned Denny Hamlin. That is going to be a really tough blow. Like, if you could choose one race to not lose your crew chief for, it would be the Coke 600, and especially somebody as highly regarded as Chris Gaparts. That's that's just a really tough blow, especially on, you know, again, when this Toyota stable is on a roll. But that was the last points-paying race where we saw the Toyotas do really well. The last race which was the all-star race it was the penske show again they swept all three stages and you've got to keep an eye on ryan blaney because when he's a guy that we've seen it time and time again when he gets hot he is one of the hottest drivers in the sport and he's looked really good on mile and a half tracks this year and the last couple of years and seems to be riding the ship after that last all-star race win and he was one of 18 cars to test at charlotte with the next gen car and out of the 18 cars that tested there he was the quickest so the only catch is that he has not led more than two laps in a single cup race at charlotte in 11 starts, he only has three top 10s, and his best finish in the 600 was third in 2020. But I think there's reason to believe that that can all 
change this upcoming week at the Coke 600, especially, again, considering the recent success in that, you know, it, this is not the same team and the same driver that we had seen at Charlotte over the last few years. I think that um, he's going to be motivated to back up that all-star race victory with another win in one of NASCAR's crown jewel events. So we'll see how that goes for him, but also the elder statesman of Penske Racing now, Team Penske, and Joey Logano looked really good as of recently and won at Darlington just a few weeks ago. And he's been inconsistent at Charlotte, backed by a 47 and a half top 10 rate and 23 starts. He does have a win there, albeit not in the Coke 600. But one thing that will benefit him is, again, in a very strategic race, having one of the top five crew chiefs, in my opinion, in the garage atop the pit box in Paul Wolf. And he's going to be a, a big time force to be reckoned with in this race because we always see it every year in this race. There's going to be a late strategy call. There's going to be race long strategy calls that set you up for the late part of the race. And I think having Paul Wolf atop the pit box is going to make a, a huge, huge difference uh, for Joey Logano, especially coming off some really good speed weeks over the past few weeks in a row. And really one of the most dangerous tandem, tandems in the sport with Paul Wolf and Joey Logano. So he is going to be a threat. And a really good value, plus 1,800 after he, again, won one of the stages last week in terms of the, the pit crew challenge um, over the last stage. And that team's got some momentum. So could be a sneaky pick for the win. Again, he hasn't had the best speed. Not a guy that's been out there leading laps a ton this year. But could be a good value pick for the win if things fall in his cards over the course of the, the final stage of that race. And, and with a crew chief like Paul Wolf, you just never know. Completely agree. I think that he's one of the best crew chiefs in the garage as well one of the best tandems by far. You know, I, I think I'm really curious to see how Penske does this weekend because they've, they've all collectively looked really good in the mile and a halfs. Even Austin Sendrick, who I don't really have in this outline actually, but um, he's had speed at all the mile and a halfs. Both Blaney and Logano have. It should be a good weekend for the Fords. We haven't really seen that breakout performance from any of them thus far. It should be a good week. I do want to move down here to uh, another Hendrick Chevy, our final one we haven't mentioned, Alex Bowman. Top 10s in three of his last four Coke 600s, so very under the radar there. Maybe less confident in him um, than the other drivers mentioned, like uh, his teammates Larson, Elliott, and Byron, but he still looked very sporty lately, man, just not flashy. And, like, Bowman's nickname is the showman for a reason. Very well could be an Alex Bowman-type race. He's, we've, he's proven time and time again that he can maximize and capitalize on certain opportunities late in the race from the pit crew side of things. I think Greg Guys is also a very underrated presence on that team. So could be a, a Alex Bowman type of day. And then, of course, Ross Chastain, always been a threat in every single race we've been to this year. Um, not many stats to go off cup-wise for him just because he's been in lackluster equipment. But he continues to be a front runner, one of the best teams in the garage area. Also running the Truck Series race this weekend. So that should provide a spark in, time in terms of getting additional track time. So I think uh, Ross Chastain, you can't go wrong with him regardless. Yeah. The one thing that would concern me, I don't even know if it's so much as a concern, which is more like a trend with this race is it is the, the Coke 600. It's a race that traditionally it's won by the veterans of this sport and, and one where it takes a while to win this crown jewel event because of how difficult it is. And, and it, anytime a driver who only has a few career wins under his belt comes to this race, it just seems like a, a, a big test, a big measuring stick. So more than anything, I'm in, intrigued to see how a jumpstart team and really the surprise team in the sport this year and the one team of Ross Chastain does perform here. But Cole, how about some value picks? Because there's a few names that we have mentioned, one of which is Bubba Wallace, who, again, has benefited from this upswing in talent from the Toyota speed 
over the last few weeks, and he's been no exception to it. Top 10 speed each of the last two weeks, and even in the All-Star race, looked pretty good, but had some of the tough uh, breaks, especially on pit road over the last few weeks. He's had one of the worst pit crews all season. And in a race where execution is key, that's definitely going to hurt his chances. And I think that, the, you know, I'm not going to say a win is coming for Bubba Wallace, but he's going to string some top tens together. But I just don't know if it's going to happen at this particular race. I think that the speed may be there. But again, it's a race that you've got to execute. And this team, time and time again this year, has, has proven that they aren't coming up in the big spots. So it's going to be tough to see. Best career finish in Charlotte in the Coke 600 was last year, in fact, uh, where he finished 14th. So it's going to be a gamble, but a lot of things are going to have to break Bubba Wallace's way if he wants to uh, pay off for you in your DFS lineup or for a winner pick coming into this week at one of NASCAR's biggest events of the year. Bubba's a tricky one. I think we, we said the last two or three weeks, um, you have to gamble to win some money in DFS. And I think that Bubba, like he's worth the gamble because I think the speed's definitely going to be there. I think they had a top five car at Kansas, but they got burned on pit road once again, and they still walked away with a top 10 finish. So like a change needs to be made. It, it's no secret. I think people have been crying for it on Twitter and rightfully so, because like Bubba Wallace is a top 10 driver after the last few weeks and the results need to be there. Hopefully they're going to be there soon. But I think like the pit crew's aware of, of their troubles all season I'm sure they've been working very hard at it to, to write ship. And um, I think Bubba is worth looking at for DFS. I think he will definitely be a lower value. And I think that could enable you to maybe squeeze in two heavy hitters or maybe a heavy hitter and someone else like a Tyler Reddick, who seems to be rounding into shape once again with his Xfinity Series win at Texas with Big Machine Racing. I think that could have been nice something inside of him because he's been knocking on the door for like two years now. He's a go-for-broke type of guy, and Texas was a race where you had to kind of preserve the car, and I think that was a good preparation race for Charlotte where you have to nurse that car to the end. Like, he's had really good results here at Charlotte in the Cup Series in his young career. In three starts, his worst finish was 14th, which was not in the 600. Outside of that, he has two Coke 600 starts, both those being top 10s. Um, he also ranked top five in lap time from the Charlotte Test with the next-gen car. So I think Tyler Reddick's going to be a really strong contender for the win this weekend. Put him in the value pick category just because he's usually in like that seven, $8,000 range for DFS. That's a pretty a solid price and someone you can usually fit in there. It's just that like he's, you know, he's been like a, a gopher broke type of driver. He's either going to finish runner up or he's going to finish 35th. So I think Tyler Reddick's going to have a really strong race this weekend. Another guy who has had a really strong season and has been one of the safest bets for DFS, has been Austin Dillon, riding back-to-back top 10s at Charlotte, won the 627 team, looked very competitive as of late, and again, just a very reliable DFS driver, also running the Xfinity race this weekend for Big Machine Racing, like his teammate Tyler Reddick. So that could also provide a spark in terms of additional track time. And then um, a guy who I'm calling the uh, our big money value pick is going to be Ryan Priest, who is running triple duty at Charlotte. So that's a lot, a lot of track time. And I think he's a guy like throughout his entire career, he just knows how to preserve the car and how to like just nurse it to the end and just run a very, very like strategic and sound race. So I think Ryan Priest running for Rick Ware, they haven't looked terrible this season. They've been, they've had some competitive showings with uh, David Reagan and such. I think that he should be valued in like the 5,500 range. And that should enable you 
uh, an opportunity to maybe squeeze in two heavy hitters. So Ryan Priest is my big money value pick for this weekend. It's a good call because he's also a guy who, again, he's obviously not racing consistently every week. So I think he's going to come out with a chip on his shoulder and, and he's going to come out and, and really try to turn some heads and say that, you know, he's finally getting some track time and he's putting the extra effort into not just racing in the longest race of the year, but to get track time in other series too. And I think he's going to be really motivated to uh, try and pick up an opportunity and put a good performance out there. And we've seen it before that he has been very opt- opportunistic in some of his chances, no matter who he has been racing for. And so I, I think that that kind of chip on his shoulder mentality is going to play a good role for him as well. Another team call that we haven't touched on yet during this episode, but has had a nice uptick in speed over the past couple of weeks, and namely the all-star race, is Roush Fenway-Keslowski. Because again, that was a race where the Fords were really quick, and that included Chris Buescher. He had top 10s in the last three Coke 600s too, and looked fast on the mile and a half tracks the last two years. And uh, again, looked pretty good. He raced his way into the all-star race last week, and a guy that definitely profiles as someone that could perform well at the Coke 600 with the speed that they have had at these kinds of tracks and over the last few weeks in general. And then Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on on the separate end of that coin. He's also looked good the past few weeks. He won a stage in the All-Star Open on top of three consecutive top 10 finishes, and he's been uh, three top 10s in the last five Charlotte starts. So could be a really good value on uh, DFS and potentially even a lock because he's just a guy that very quietly, he's been so consistent this year. I would put him in the same category as Austin Dillon. When he has kept the car straight and running forward, He's just, he's run well. He's run some good races, very consistent races uh, at this point. So there's a lot of good values this week, I feel like, with this race. It's just a matter of, it's a long race. It's a very strategic race. And a lot has to go right for these guys to, you know, get you what you need out of them. And that is value and, and not, you know, it's, it's a race where things can go wrong for you very quickly. And you got to be mindful of that when you're picking some of the guys with less experience. And that's why I like the idea of picking somebody like Ricky Stenhouse, who is a veteran and knows how to run this race and does have three consecutive top 10 finishes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think him and Austin Dillon are, are should be locks. Uh, they're both mm-hmm. moderately priced. And, um, you know, Austin Dillon's a former 600 winner. Stenhouse has looked really, really good in the last few weeks. So I completely agree with, with the sense that uh, the veterans are ones you want to look out for. I don't have him on the outline, but I do want to bring him up as Brad Keselowski. He's a veteran. He's someone I'm very curious about this weekend. I don't know if I'm comfortable enough to, like, put him in my DFS lineup, but, like, we've seen his value kind of go down as of recently. I think he's, like, in usually in the 7,000 range around where Eric Amarola is. But he's been one of the more consistent drivers at Charlotte. He won the 600 in 2020, 10 top 10s and 22 starts, average finish of 13.5, which is really good. But, like – I feel like Busher's been outperforming him this season. And I don't know if Brad's trying too hard or what, but like, it's just a very puzzling season. Uh, maybe he's racing with a chip on his shoulder because he needs the win after that 100 point deduction from the penalty. But I think Charlotte's a place where he could right ship. For me, it's, it's like a trial week. I, I wouldn't mess around with putting him in, in my lineup, but I wouldn't be surprised if he walked away with a top 15, top 10, just given his experience as a whole and his resume at Charlotte. And again, he won this race only a couple of years ago. And, and I, I do take a lot of stock in the veterans this particular race because we, we've seen how much it takes out of you to, to win this event. But what about some drivers to stay away from, Cole? Because there's one veteran who we alluded to it earlier. It's just such a big blow to lose your crew chief and especially such a great crew chief for this race. And so I'm staying away from Denny Hamlin this week. I would say proceed with caution. 
He's been great as of the last few weeks, to be honest with you. But without Chris Gapart serving that four-week penalty beginning this week for the loose wheel during a race, this is going to be a really tough week to lose him. And again, even coming into this week, if he did have Chris Gapart, I think that maybe tread lightly just because the success hasn't all been there this year. But They've looked really good the last few weeks. So more than anything, I'm just very intrigued. The speed should be there because those cars have been really fast as of recently, but it's going to be really hard for him to put a win together when it's been one of those years where it's taken everything having to break right for him in order to win the one race he did at Richmond, which was, by the way, a strategic race where he wouldn't have won that if it wasn't Chris Gapehart atop the pit box. So it's just really, really hard for me to see him winning this race. And to be honest, I don't know if I'd see myself using him in DFS either because we've just touched on another 15 guys that I think I would rather use in my lineup with Denny Hamlin. Right, and like Denny Hamlin's, he's not – obviously, you never want to say don't pick Denny Hamlin, but like mm-hmm. there's just better options from a DFS sense, and especially given mm-hmm. the fact he hasn't won at Charlotte in his career in 30 starts. That's I crazy. wouldn't pick him yeah. for a race winner bet either. So like I think he's going to be a top 10 car, obviously, with the speed, but – Given like starting position, laps led, I just think there's much, much better options. If you want to gamble on Denny Hamlin, I wouldn't advise it, but you can obviously. Moving on to other guys, maybe stay away from one of the other veterans of the sport who's kind of fallen off since his hot start has been Eric Amarola. Only one top 10 in 16 starts at Charlotte with an 18.1 average, which really shocked me. Just given like he's, he's run for Stuart Haas all these years, he had some success with uh, RPM. So I, I just – I wouldn't pick Eric Amarola either, especially for DFS. I think he's a guy that I, I'd like to stay away from for the most part the, the entire season, just given his price. He's usually in the, like, $77, $7,800 range. So he's uh, a, a tough sell for me unless you're going to a track like a Loudon or a Super Speedway, you know. So I would stay away from him in terms of veterans. And then two guys I also want to touch on that have been fantasy darlings all season that have been Ty Dillon and Justin Haley. Ty Dillon's cooled off a lot as of late. Charlotte, he has the best finish of 21st, which he did twice, and he's never finished on the lead lap in a cup race here. So I'd stay away from Ty Dillon. Justin Haley, also been one of the most effective DFS drivers all season, but he's had a rough go through his entire career at Charlotte. No laps led there in six NASCAR-sanctioned starts. Best finish was his Xfinity Series debut in 2019, and his average finish outside of that through all six races in all three series is 21.4. So... Definitely a a week where you want to go veteran heavy and um, not so much on how the season's played out for guys like Ty Dillon and Justin Haley. Yeah, and one name that I will throw out there just because I'm I'm also interested to see how he performs after being the fan vote in the All-Star Race last week is Eric Jones because he's only got one top 10 and seven cup starts at Charlotte. And that's, again, coming in some races where he was with Joe Gibbs Racing and, and you know, now he's racing for G, uh, GMS Petty. So, I'm interested to see how he does in this equipment because, again, the only top 10 he had in this race was when he was racing for for Joe Gibbs Racing. So he's only got three lead lap finishes. He just isn't a guy who's always had a knack for finishing this race. Speed has – it's been there for the most part this year, but the results have too as of recently. He's a guy that – time and time again, he's just a good value. Just look at where he qualifies, and if he's starting maybe outside the top 20, he could be a good gamble because – I would say over the last few years, we've seen Eric Jones become a guy that can run a full race. And even this year, again, we've seen some top tens in races where he didn't expect it. So I, I'm intrigued. I don't think I'm going to use him in any lineups or anything this week, but I, I am definitely interested to see if that's a trend that holds true and that he does continue to be somebody that can keep the nose straight and, and learn to 
preserve that car for the entire race. I agree. Like, the stats don't really scare me for Eric Jones, but it is something to take into consideration. But, yeah, he is a veteran in the sport. He's had success in every series he's raced in, all equipment he's raced in. He's looked really sporty as of late. So, I, you know, he, he's a guy that I would like to gamble on as opposed to a, a Denny Hamlin. But with all this said, and that'll wrap up our analysis portion of the podcast, why don't we get into our uh, big money picks and our uh, sleeper and, winner, and race winner picks? Because I just opened up the app, and there's a lot of really, really good picks here for sleepers for that. Let's see your big money pick, Steven. My big money pick is going to be Martin Truex Jr. to finish in the top five. Plus 125, I will take that all day. I'm more comfortable in that pick than than any winner pick or anything. I just think that that team, throughout the thick and thin of this year for Joe Gibbs Racing, they've always been the consistent team. We've seen him have great success in this race in the past. And again, he might not be the hottest name because you can also pick Kyle Busch to finish in the top five, and he's been a really hot driver in this sport as of recently. He's had some of the best speed in the garage over the last month. Um, but I just look at the value and he is the, the first driver that's below even in terms of the odds at plus 125. I like that a lot and I'm going to lock that in all day. That's a really awesome pick. That was one I was mulling over too, actually. And ironically, I'm going to go with the guy under him in terms of positive odds. And that's going to be a, a top five for William Byron at plus 150. I think that's honestly an appalling, <laughs> appalling odds for, for better. It's just it seems like it's automatic, both those drivers, for Truex and Byron to get a top five. So I, I love both those big money picks, and I think that you guys should hammer those all day. All right, Cole, and then let's dig into it. Winner picks for this weekend's race. It's the most fun race of the year. One of my favorites, the Coke 600. Um, and I think that, you know, it's my turn to go first, obviously. I think it's this is finally the year for Chase Elliott. We've seen him turning it up over the last couple of years. Should have won this race in 2020, just got really unlucky with the time that caution came out and was damned if he did, damned if he didn't, whether or not he came down pit road uh, and ended up losing that race in excruciating fashion. But I think that you look the way that, you, that this year has played out. He just was so consistent, placing top 10 every single week, regardless of whether he had good speed or not to begin the year. And those top 10s have turned into top fives. And, and as of recently, picked up his first win of the year. And so I really just think that you look at the drivers and teams in this sport. I think that the person that wins this race is going to be a former champion. I think it's going to be the 2020 champion, Chase Elliott. He wants to win this race so friggin' badly, and I think it's finally going to happen for him. And then for my sleeper pick, again, I think the winner of this race is going to be a former champion. And so I know he hasn't had the greatest success as of the last month, but I think it's going to be, if I'm going to pick a sleeper, a guy who could potentially go out and win this race, I'm going to pick Brad Keselowski because, again, he was the guy that won this race in 2020 when Chase Elliott should have won it. But time and time again throughout Brad's career, he's just a guy who's been able to capitalize on stuff like this and uh, just put the car where it needs to be at, at the end of this race in particular. It's Memorial Day weekend. I just love – throughout Brad's entire career, I have loved seeing him win races around this time of year, around the 4th of July – where he's got the American flag hanging out the window. It just feels like a week that would be shaping up for Brad to perform well. And again, they, they had some good speed at, at Texas this past week. So I don't think it's all bad things for that team. And I think that there is something to be said for the fact that he did have the 100-point deduction. And so I, I think that he's going to be going for broke every race from now until the end of the regular season. He's going to go out on a limb and, and try anything he can to win one of these races and, and put on for his new team that he now co-owns. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that that number six car placing in the top five uh, at the end of the race, whether he runs there consistently or not. I think it's going to be something that if Brad ends up there, it's just going to come out of nowhere. I think he's a very desperate driver. 
He's a very hungry driver, and he knows how much it means to win this week. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see he or the number nine car in victory lane. I love it. Both awesome picks. And uh, I, I love how you brought in the, uh, the American flag aspect with Brad's victory celebrations. This was a big win for him in 2020. I know he's been chasing that for a long, long time. He loves honoring uh, the armed forces and all that. So I think that's a great pick. Um, for me, like, my gut telling me William Byron for the win, but I think I'd be foolish to not pick Kyle Busch. I just think that that team's been clicking so well as of late. I think uh, Ben Bayshore top the pit box and that number one pit crew is going to pay off in a big way for him this weekend. And I, I think obviously being a former champion himself, there's a lot of experience and a lot of, a lot of determination, a lot of fire in that 18 team. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch for the win. And for my sleeper, I like a former 600 winner and that's going to be Austin Dillon. I think that they've also been really good as of late, very, very consistent. And I think that the uh, experience is going to come into play in a big way. I think he should be a top 10 day for Austin Dillon. Two great picks as well. I think that if you want to pick the hottest driver in the sport, it's Kyle Busch. And I, I guess I should also say the hottest team in the sport. And, you know, you think of crown jewel races, you think of Austin Dillon. He just has always had a knack for this. And again, I don't know how more people aren't talking about the season that, that Austin Dillon is having. He's a guy that, you know, if he catches fire and starts turning these top tens into top fives and into wins, like we could be seeing Austin Dillon, uh, contending down the stretch this year. And I, I think that, again, any crowned jewel race, I, I think Austin Dillon's an awesome pick. But it's the funnest weekend of the year. Let's talk real quick, Cole. Indy 500, just for a second. I, I know this is mainly a NASCAR podcast, but we've got the seven-time champion and one of the greatest drivers in racing motorsports history, Jimmy Johnson, taking on the Indy 500. What are realistic expectations for Jimmy? Because we've got the great doubleheader where this race is going to take place before the 600. And man, I, it's been exciting to see the last couple of weeks where he's qualified in the top 10. The speed has been there. He's been one of the top drivers in practice in Indy 500 practice. And I am thrilled to see how this plays out for Jimmy. I think that a win is going to be asking for a lot considering he just has the one top 10 over his first year in um, racing this, this past couple of years in IndyCar, but he came out in oval. He is riding on a confidence high after that big oval uh, sixth place finish at Texas, where he was contending for a top five. And, I'm really excited to see how this plays out for Jimmy. I am too. And I, I think a top five day is what I'm looking at for Jimmy because he finished sixth in his, his oval debut in IndyCar. Mm -hmm. And he was, I think he was in line for a top five day there as well. Just mm -hmm. couldn't really nurse the car or preserve it like these experienced guys in IndyCar do usually. But um, yeah, the speed's been there, man. He's been like a top three, top four fastest car in, in practice and qualifying. So I think had he not had that slip up on his first lap of qualifying, he would have mm -hmm. had a much better starting spot, obviously. But I think a top five day is definitely in the cards for Jimmy. Contender for the win, you never know. I think he's finally finding that balance or, or that I guess that, that style of racing at IndyCar where you have to push the limits. You can't be afraid to go max speed. It just mm -hmm. go commit and go all in. I think, you know, I think it should be a top five day for him. I would love to see him go out there and win the thing, but it's just going to be a really, really tough one. I, I like Alex Pillow for the win. He's a name that's sticking out to me. But top five day for Jimmy would be a, a, a win in my book. Yeah, I think those uh, the Chip Ganassi Hondas have looked very fast over the past couple of weeks. And uh, for Jimmy, listen, that's what's scary about it is it took him like 75% the way through that race at Texas where he really started to come – the race started to come to him, the car started to come to him. And, and I think that the more laps Jimmy gets under his belt at the 500 – 
the faster he's going to get because that's exactly what we saw at Texas. And if he has unloaded this quickly, and again, like you said, Cole is getting comfortable with the limits that these cars have, I think it's going to mean it's, – it's scary to think about what that could mean for the rest of the field because it, it took him, again – 75% of that Texas race. And then he finally was racing up towards the top five and, and coming in with the confidence he has and the speed off the truck. I think that he's going to have a really good shot at this thing. And I'm thrilled to see it, but I'm also thrilled for this Coke 600. That is going to take place at six o'clock on Fox. One of, if not my favorite race of the year. So I'm really excited to see how it plays out. Qualifying on Saturday at 7.45 PM. So that should be a fun, uh, exciting event to stay up for as well. So Stay tuned there. Stay tuned to this podcast. It's the money stop, most important stop of the day, and we're going to drop the jack on it. So for Cole, I'm Steven. Follow us at the underscore money stop and follow Cole at Cole underscore Cusimano underscore because we're going to have great content all week and all year long. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Gotta make them want to come back for more.